Well, welcome to the Wood Podcast. My name's Colin Ross. Um, I'm going to be hosting the conversation here. Um, we're hosting a special series at Siri Week 2023 here in Houston, Texas, where we're hearing insights from our Wood colleagues who are leading the conversation as part of the Siri Week program. I'm really delighted today to be joined by Craig Shanahi, our Executive President for Projects. Craig, welcome to Houston and uh, welcome to Sarah Week. How's it been going so far? It's been great. Uh, I don't want to be glib with the analogies, but there's a lot of energy here. Um, a lot of, of people looking to find the solutions to um, the energy trilemma challenge, uh, and it's great to be part of it. So I wanted to talk to you. You joined a session about the North Sea, and there was a, a forum that you joined, and I'm just keen to hear your reflections on on how that's been. I guess as we've listened to the uh, messaging in the conference so far, there's been a lot of talk around the energy trilemma, that need to balance security and affordability and transition. What were the reflections on that from a North Sea perspective? How does the North Sea fit into this big picture? I mean, like I said earlier, the messages were relatively consistent and you would expect that. I think there's been a lot of talk of an orderly transition. Um, so trying to balance the fact that we need to decarbonize existing infrastructure at the same time as due to energy security we need to bring on more carbon efficient new production but more importantly we need to accelerate towards the energy systems of the future so that that was really the key thread within the north sea um, session as well and i think um, one of the statements that i quite liked that was used is we need to get the balance right between capital kit and capability uh, and, and there's some really important nuances in that so from a capital perspective the investments there the investments there globally the investments also there for the UK we could see that from Equinor's recent acquisition etc people are keen to invest in the UK the challenge we've got is a really inconsistent framework regulatory framework policy etc which is preventing people with that stability they need in order to commit that investment from a kit perspective, we've already got the kit, we've got the digital, we've got the technology, we're already able to decarbonise. Wood is doing a significant amount in that space in the UK and abroad. Uh, and, and from a capability perspective, I would say we've got the capability, but it's really key that we move at pace with all of that. Um, if you look at being in, in, in Houston, it's topical, the Inflation Reduction Act has, has I guess, garnered a lot of opinion and comment. And it's accelerated the investment into the US. Now, the risk that comes with any global market is that people will look to invest in, in places that become easier. So America's become easier to invest in than the UK. Yeah. So therefore, if we don't catch up pace and move and, and really work as a, a tripartite, so government operations supply chain, we don't get that pace we don't retain that capability and we miss the fantastic opportunity the North Sea has of continuing to play a global role in what is the world's most critical challenge. And so the North Sea session was, was North Sea as a whole, right? So we're talking about the UKCS, we're also talking about the Norwegian con continental shelf. There's quite a difference between those two, right? A absolutely. I mean, if you look at Norway in terms of their forward thinking and that engagement and the tripartite, like I said, they've, they, they make that work really, really well. So again, from a UK perspective, what can we learn from Norway? What can we learn from the recent movements in the US? What can we learn from the recent movements in the Middle East? And how do we solve this Im immense challenge that we've got and immense opportunity that we've got to, to get the investment we need 
within the UK to get everything, all three of those elements, the decarbonisation, the new production, and more importantly, the new energy systems of the future, we get them moving, we create a market, and, and we maintain a position. There's something for me about this um, this energy challenge is, is a big integrated energy challenge. There's a lot going on and we need to make sure that all the different elements work together. There's no one single solution. And, and we've got a lovely example just back on this NCS thing for just a second. We've got this lovely example with Highwind Tampon. Maybe tell us a little bit about that and, and how that's maybe showing us an example of how the energy transition can be actually achieved. Yeah, so Highwind Tampon is, uh, would have done the top size modifications on the offshore infrastructure to accept uh, electricity from floating offshore wind. A, a classic example, there's, there's many examples in the early stages within the UK where we're supporting organisations who are looking again at fundamentally electrification etc. Um, we're working in the central North Sea and the northern North Sea on, on those opportunities. But at the moment they are, they're held up, let's say they're not moving quickly enough to allow us uh, and the basin to get to that decarbonising solutions that Norway has, has advanced on. And like I said earlier on, if we miss that opportunity, then the technology, the human capital will be deployed elsewhere in the world to, I guess, more forward-looking um, economies and more forward-looking policies, etc., that make it easier to invest and bring things to fruition. This idea of an orderly transition, I think one of the things that my translation of that is a pragmatic transition. And I guess there's something there where we've had a lot of talk. And even maybe if you think about Zero Week 2022 versus Zero Week 2023, there's been a move to understand that it's not just about energy transition, there's the trilemma and there's the security and all those kind of things. How do we start getting practical? How do we start taking action? What are the ways in which we can move the dial and actually move this from a discussion to action? So I, th I think people are understanding the need for a just transition a bit more. I think energy security has brought things much more into focus of what can actually happen if we get it wrong in terms of lack of energy, lights going out, etc. cetera. Uh, and, it, and it's even more prevalent in less developed countries, etc. And we've got a responsibility here. So I think some of the some of the dialogue this week has been about we're in system A at the moment. We can't just accelerate to system B uh, because it's no not yet economic. We've not created the economy for the energy systems of the future. So if we move there too fast, energy becomes too expensive uh, and, and we risk seeing much more of what we've seen recently through the energy security. So that's why we need to get that orderly transition and we need to focus on all elements of that in terms of decarbonising where we are just, just now, making sure we've got enough affordable energy through that transition as we move towards the new energy systems of the future. If we think about that through a UK CAS lens, so obviously the UK's made some great strides in terms of new energies with offshore floating wind, all that kind of stuff. But you mentioned decarbonisation. So we've got this huge infrastructure that's ageing. Mm -hmm. Is that a disadvantage? What does that look like from a decarbonisation perspective? I'm not sure it's a disadvantage. I would suggest it's more of an advantage when you look at the infrastructure and the need for existing infrastructure to energy security and energy affordability. So um, 
new discoveries that are allowed to be tied back to existing infrastructure are going to get them accelerated much quicker. Um, we'll need that existing infrastructure. We've got significant capacity for carbon capture and storage in that infrastructure. How do we use that to our advantage? But it com comes back more to the element of pace and making decisions. Soon decommissioning is happening at a pace. We're getting um, more economical with decommissioning. Therefore, we're in danger of without proper decision making and without proper foresight and planning, then we end up not making the most of the infrastructure we have. Uh, and, and I guess that's where we're really keen that our experience, our knowledge of the infrastructure as would, our knowledge of the solutions, our global expertise can really play a part in that tripartite to really get this moving from a UKCS perspective and see what is a great opportunity turned into action. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so we've talked about existing infrastructure. I read recently that there's there's 16 new developments that are due to happen in the coming years. We were talking, you mentioned before, about Equinor just made this big uh, investment in the North Sea. What would your message be to the operators, you know, or, or, or to maybe if we talk about the tripartite, who would it, what would your message be to all three parties to kind of really drive the, uh, the future of the North Sea? What would my message be? Uh, I think, I'm, I keep coming back to pace. Pace is going to be really important. We've got such rich heritage in, in the North Sea as being a global exporter as well as um, being a, a fantastic benchmark for wood to export talent and um, solutions across the globe. We're in danger of losing that and losing the opportunity if we don't move quickly enough with that tripartite to generate the investment, generate the policy and work together to, to turn what is um, a solid investment proposition with the, the right policy into something that, that generates electrification, that generates the hydrogen opportunities, that generates the CCUS. You just need to look in the press. There's, there's many of these industrial clusters all around the UK that, that are ready to go and what it needs is investment and what it needs is that tripartite to work together to work out how do we, how do we move forward at, at pace. Uh, there's a lot of talk about hydrogen, but hydrogen's at least seven to 10 years off. We've got, we've got a critical role to play with existing infrastructure and new opportunities, like you said, in advance of that to pave the way to maintain the capability that's going to be operating and, and engineering the energy systems of the future. And maybe just a last kind of question on this. So, you know, you were just talking about there's a medium term, there's a long term. What would your vision be for the North Sea over the next 10 years or so? What would, what would you like to see happening? I would like to see it retain its place as, as a, a force uh, or a solutions area within the global um, challenge that we've got. Um, there's such a, a rich heritage of of infrastructure, of talent, of innovation. Um, it, it needs to retain its place. If you look at the resources that we've got in the North Sea in terms of wind energy, tidal energy, the infrastructure, etc., it's really a missed opportunity if we don't make the most of that and allow the North Sea to have a place in the global solution of what is our most difficult challenge, uh, and it's that um, energy security into energy transition. Brilliant. Craig, really appreciate you just taking a few minutes to spend time with us. 
Um, thanks very much for sharing your insights. Uh, for those of you who have been listening, thanks for joining the podcast. And if you want to know more, you can check out uh, woodplc.com forward slash podcast. Thanks very much. Thank you.